This is Songs of Praise. We hope this hour of musical reflection lifts your thoughts to our loving Saviour, Jesus Christ.
solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking Descending, bring from above. 
Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with Lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. Songs of Praise continues on 3ABN Australia Radio. Springtime, world's alive with colour and with sunlight. Birds on wing twirl in azure sky. It's springtime. Springtime, flowers open up their sleeping eyes.
When your heart is heavy laden Feeling like the joy is faded Just come Everything I told you Here are arms that long to hold you Just come Come Leave behind the mask you're hiding Here is someone to confide in I know what you've done Tell me everything you're hoping The Father loves a heart that's open Just come Why didn't I so you could try to save yourself I know who you are Don't try to be somebody else Are you washed in the 
crucified. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the
closes in You're tired and you're weary As you look at where you've been You can't see beyond the present When you're looking at the past You thought things would Psalm 75 verse 9 But I will declare this forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. Mountains in 
Bless our home. 
With musical messages about our loving Creator God, this is Songs of Praise. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul? To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. Falling all around 
Shaking, keep your lamps all trimmed and burning, ready for your Lord's returning. Lo, He comes, Lo, Jesus comes. Lo, He comes, He comes all glorious. Jesus comes to reign victorious. Lo, He comes, yes, Jesus comes. of your Savior, pardon sin and purchase favor, blood-washed robes and crowns of glory, haste to tell redemption's story, lo, He comes, lo, Jesus comes. 
comes, oh glorious. Jesus comes to reign victorious. Lo, he comes. Yes, Jesus comes. Kingdoms at the base are crowned. His chariot wheels are
We hope you've enjoyed the program. Join us again on Songs of Praise, produced by 3ABN Australia Radio. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of amazing facts. In our last reading, Elwyn in the Solomon Islands had felt impressed that a young girl, Jenny, was in particular financial difficulties to meet her college fees in Australia and that he should send money to help her. Returning to Australia some months later, he went to see Jenny and was surprised to discover that she was about to graduate. She is telling Elwyn her story. Chapter 5. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. A few more weeks passed before the principal told Jenny that she, along with a number of other students, must sever her connection with the college until she could meet her commitments. She was to catch the school bus early next morning for whatever destination she chose. Jenny told me how she spent the whole night weeping and praying, for she had nowhere to go. Toward daylight, peace came into her soul. She threw herself on her bed exhausted and heard nothing more till mid-morning when she was again summoned to the principal's office. After hurriedly freshening up, She ran down the stairs, and as she was going out the door of the women's dormitory, one of her girlfriends called, There's a letter for you in the letter rack, Jenny. She paused for a moment to pick up the letter, and within minutes was confronted with a rather stern question as to why she had not caught the bus, along with the other students who left that morning. Jenny burst into tears, and trying as she would, She was unable to refrain from weeping brokenheartedly. The principal, a kindly man, said, Jenny, do not feel so bad about things. Surely the Lord has a purpose for your life, as he has for mine. He then suggested that they kneel in prayer together. While still on their knees, the principal paused halfway through his prayer and said, Jenny, I feel impressed to ask you what you have in your hand. She replied, nothing. The principal continued his prayer, then paused again and asked Jenny, what have you in your hand? Nothing except this letter that I picked up on the way over to your office. The principal suggested that she open the letter, for maybe it contained an offer for employment somewhere. With trembling hands, Jenny broke the seal, and there was an amount of money not one cent more or one cent less than the amount she owed the college. After thanking a bountiful Heavenly Father for his wonderful provision and arising from their knees, the principal picked up his telephone and called the manager of the sanitarium health food company, Carl Ulrich. The principal shared the experience with Brother Ulrich, after which the manager said, If the master would do that for Jenny then it's about time Carl Ulrich did something. Send her down to me. Jenny was given a job as assistant secretary to Brother Ulrich so that she was able to attend classes and earn sufficient money to meet her college commitments. Some months later, 
When I met Brother Barham, I asked how and when he had delivered the money to Jenny. He replied, Don't you worry about it. No one saw me deliver it. As a matter of fact, one cold, wintry morning before daylight, I borrowed a bicycle and rode to the college and popped the letter into the rack in the women's dormitory. To me, it seems evident that from the very moment Brother Barham placed the letter in the letter rack, heavenly peace had flooded Jenny's heart. For the Master knew that we had not failed him in our small part in his great plan. After listening to the amazing story, I asked Jenny whether she had any idea where the money came from. She replied, Yes, I know. I'm almost positive it came from Pastor A.G. Stewart. I heartily agreed that it was just the kind of thing Pastor Stewart would do. As far as I know, Jenny still believes the money came from Pastor Stewart, and I trust that she always will. I make no secret of the fact that the whole experience put me on my knees, humbling me to the dust. To think that some three months before Jenny's crisis hour, my master had spoken to me 2,000 miles away in the Solomon Islands and in effect said, Elwyn, if you want to have a small part in my program, you had better do something. Then, because I didn't have sufficient money, he impressed Brother Barham to add to mine, not making the amount less or in excess of the amount required by his child in Australia. And furthermore, sent it not a day too early or a day too late. I marvel that Heaven's King, the Creator of the Universe, would deign to use me, a frail child of the dust, to have just a little part in his wonderful plan. Jenny graduated that year with flying colours and then gave a number of years of service in her work. Today she has a family of her own. Chapter 6 Lee Kaveki's Faith and the Pigs Likaveki, a young man at our Batuna training school on the Moravo Lagoon, Solomon Islands, had laid down his sole right to chieftainship of Choisel Island to follow the footsteps of the lowly Nazarene. He soon proved himself an outstanding leader of men and one who could carry heavy responsibility. He was placed in charge of the after-school hours work program. One morning he came to our home with the words, Master, me like make him lick lick talk along all together boy. We asked, What is the trouble, Likaveki? Master, he business belong me. He wasn't in any way being insubordinate, but simply saying that he thought it was something he could sort out for himself. As soon as worship was over at the beginning of school, Pastor A. W. Martin, the headmaster, said, Likaveki, you may now say what you wish. Likaveki stood at his full six feet and said, Do you know, students, last night the wild pigs got in and largely destroyed all of our garden. I don't blame the pigs. Do you know why it has happened? After a long pause while he waited for an answer, he said, 
I'll tell you why the gardens were destroyed. It is because we haven't been faithful in paying our tithe. One boy from the island of Malata, who had been at the school for only a few weeks, stood to his feet and said, True, I went fishing yesterday evening and caught 17 fish, and I never paid any tithe. Then one after another stood and confessed that they had brought in their garden produce from their own private gardens and had not paid any tithe. After quite a bit of heart-searching, Likaveki said, All right, I think we can go back and plant the gardens again. I was amazed that the pigs had been able to break into the garden, for it was completely surrounded by a heavy timber fence. But I found that the fence had been broken down in several places and that there was very little of the garden left. The young people spent much time in strengthening the fence and replanting the garden. We felt sure that it was pig-proof this time. Over the next couple of months, we were delighted to see the growth in the garden and were so happy when the day came that we were able to begin digging the sweet potatoes and yams. The Lord had certainly blessed our garden. Likaveki again came to our house early one morning and said, Master, me like talk along altogether, boy. Likaveki, is it the pigs? Master, he business belong me. Again, when worship was over, Likaveki was given the opportunity of addressing the school family. This time he said, I couldn't be bothered wasting my time with you again. The pigs have destroyed the garden again, and you know the reason why? Then he said, Stand up, Anassi. A boy stood up. Stand up, Jacob. Jacob stood up. Stand up, Limbato. And one after another he called for selected boys to stand. Then he said, Look them over, students. There are ten standing. I'm going to ask Pastor Martin for permission to take these ten boys and we will plant a garden that we will defy the pigs to touch. After school hours were over at midday, Likaveki sought permission to take his ten boys to plant his new garden. He was given permission, but I emphasised that they would certainly have to build a stronger fence than the one that had been built around the school garden. Likaveki replied, I'm going to take those ten boys right back to the foot of the mountains where the pigs are, and we'll plant a garden that we will defy the pigs to touch, and we will not put a fence around it. I explained that God expects us to do our part, and then if we are faithful, he will do his. Likaveki squared his shoulders and said, You show me in the Bible where it says about bringing all the tithes into the storehouse and see whether God had said anything about putting a fence around the gardens before he would rebuke the devourer. I tried to explain that while the text does not say anything about a fence, we should understand that it would be necessary. I am not putting a fence around the garden and the pigs will not touch it. And he went on to tell that he and the ten boys had fully committed their lives to the Lord and that they were prepared to do all that he had asked them to do. They would challenge him to do the rest. To be continued. 
Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay. tip lady with tips to make your life more simple. Do you sometimes feel that your life is one big long trudge uphill? Yeah, well sometimes it sure seems that way. But I've found a way to stop trudging slowly, miserably along and whiz up that hill instead with expectation of what might be at the top and I might even have a happy heart while climbing. Well, how on earth am I going to do that? How? Just how? Well, a while ago I was was at the top of Mount York, near Mount Victoria Pass in New South Wales. And I couldn't resist singing loudly at the top of my lungs. To myself, to the birds and dear husband who already accepts the fact that I'm crazy, thankfully. Want to know what I was singing? Oh, well, here we go. Oh, the grand old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He marched them up to the top of the hill and he marched them down again. Well, it seemed to be an appropriate song to yodel at the time. But the road up the mountain that we climbed was just three and a half metres wide and only fit for horses and riders. It was a very, very rough, rocky track. And it was only fit for crazy people who love to hike these days. That road never saw 10,000 men. It was carved out of the bush by convict men in 1815 by just 26 men with picks and shovels. Hard work indeed, and I bet they wondered if they'd ever get to the top. But the great dividing range beckoned and there was only one way to get over it, one wallop and bang at a time. I wonder if that grand old Duke of York inspired his men to march with drums banging and with militant singing that helped them climb up and down their long hill, or if he made them trudge wearily, silently and futilely up and down. I did a bit of research, because I wondered where that crazy song came from. I discovered that the lyrics of the grand old Duke of York have come to stand for futile and useless military action. I think we see a lot of that today. The men are marched up, then down, and the only thing to be said of it is that once they were up there, they were up, and once they were down, again, they were down. Nothing else was achieved. What a huge waste of effort. Well, at least our historical convict men in my story achieved something that's still a rough track that beckons us up and over the mountain today. Well, as I sat and yodelled away, I was thinking about the hills of life that we all must climb. So my first tip today is this. Determine your goal. Just precisely what is it? Those hard-working men knew what theirs was and they achieved it. They got up and over that mountain. My second tip today is a fun one. Sing and march towards your goal. Singing is going to help you over the tedious hard bits, even if you can't sing like I can't. It really will help. And marching will keep you moving till you get there. So tip number one, determine your goal. Tip number two, sing and march. I reckon that if a song gets you singing and marching up and down the hills of life, 
It's not a futile effort when you sing and march. That's it today from the two-tip lady who loves to help make life more simple. Thank you.